Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of Entrepreneurship in Developing Markets. I am here with my co-host, Lincoln Dahl. How you doing, man? Doing great. And uh, we've, I've gotten myself out to a developing market. I arrived last night here in Kigali, Rwanda. So if our broadcast is a little spotty, I am told that I'm on the fastest internet connection that Rwanda has. So this <laughs> is what you got. Uh, it- your internet looks uh, perfect. It's probably better than mine over here right now, to be honest. <laughs> okay, and, and you're broadcasting from San Francisco? Yeah, I'm broadcasting from San Francisco. Okay, so you should have the very best internet known to man, right? That's, a, that's the ground zero for all things internet. Well, surprisingly, the U.S., when it comes to internet speed, is very low, is very low on the list for internet speed compared to oh. other developing markets which is oh, okay. uh so it's really interesting but um i'm so excited to host uh this podcast with you uh just how we met uh, and how we connected was such a uh, <laughs> it's a little story of itself <laughs> because well for me it was excellent because uh <laughs> our we share an accountant right so yeah we, we both have this great accountant and he said we should meet because we're both working in africa and then um, I was surprised to find out that you're great at promoting books, and I had just written a book, so <laughs> I thought that was the end of it. Yeah, I, I remember I, uh, I contacted you like almost like a year ago, but you didn't respond back. So I was like, oh, oh man, no, <laughs> this guy doesn't. <laughs> I didn't want to know talk that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to diss you. Sorry. <laughs> and I was and I was talking to George, and George was like, oh, did you get in contact with Lincoln? I was like, no, but I was like, all right, let me try again. And uh, I'm so happy that we connected and just being able to uh, read your book, and you can talk a little bit about your book, um, just got us just thinking about bringing, you know, the stories and the adventures and also just the learning uh, of developing businesses and entrepreneurship overseas into a podcast format. And you became the voice for that and sort of uh, vocalized what other people had said. My kids told me like a year and a half ago or two years ago, Dad, if you ever did a podcast, you should do one about helping young, younger people start businesses in the developing world. And I'm like, yeah, who'd want to listen to that? <laughs> but then when you said it, I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, you never, never believe your kids, I guess, or whatever. But it seems like those people who are listening today, we hope we're providing some value to you. Because we hope that you're people who want to get out in the world and do something interesting and hopefully do it um, in an entrepreneurial way, whether you're working inside an organization that's already set up or you're starting your own startup, uh, whether you're teaching or doing business, a lot of these principles that we want to talk about will apply. And a lot of the experiences that we've had and we'll talk about having uh, hopefully will embolden you and give you some confidence and some courage to go get out there. Yeah, I think your uh, your kids were on to something, and especially with the podcast. And um, I love to just, uh, for us to give the listener um, just a quick, you know, background story as to, like, how we both just started in, you know, started working in uh, developing markets and just exploring that and seeing the vast amount of opportunity um, that's out there. Yeah, that's a good idea. And you know, usually when people come up with good ideas, they should implement them. So why don't you tell us? <laughs> Start off. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, it's uh, it's sort of like one of these stories where 
Um, so I I was born and raised. Uh, I was I was born in Nigeria, and I did I lived in Nigeria very briefly. Like I'll probably say, I lived in Nigeria for like about six years. And uh, after living in Nigeria, um, our parents um, moved to a refugee camp where I lived in Togo and Benin Republic uh, for three years. And um, through the UN refugee program, I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and from there, for me, I felt like you know, it's like living between three, like three different cultures, right? Like I Absolutely. have my Nigerian culture at home. I have my American culture where, um, as I go to school and interact with my peers. And then I also, at the same time, have this um, African American culture that I am now part of as well. And, right. you know, throughout my childhood, it's one of those things where I'm crossing between multiple different cultures in a, like, in a given day. And, you know, as I got like older and I'm in high school, I always wanted to figure out a way to, you know, go back and get involved uh, in, you know, Africa and Nigeria. But, you know, it took me a while to get to that point. So for well, me, it can be intimidating, uh, too, when you feel like, I mean, Nigeria is intimidating enough. But then when you feel like you're supposed to go back and they're going to expect you to be like, connected but you're not really going to be connected because you've been outside yeah. for a long time yeah yeah it's a it's a strange feeling because you know you'll get the whatsapp text uh messages <laughs> and you have all these relatives but you you're not quite sure how to emotionally <laughs> um manage uh exactly manage and it's a high context culture so you've got to know all yeah. that yeah <laughs> yeah and so you know um i started my uh First business, which was Yasmo, which is a marketing agency where we helped authors and um, experts, uh, pr you know, promote their books and build their marketing funnels. And while building that, and I got to connect with other people that lived overseas, that lived in, you know, the Philippines, that lived in like, Nigeria, that lived in um, Serbia. And so I started interacting and seeing the different cultures that um that were out there and it just got me more curious about my own culture you know and mm -hmm. wanting to wanting to get out there i never traveled i never even had a passport yet um this wow. is, i'm 20 i'm 24 at this uh 22 at this point and i haven't had a passport yet and a business challenge actually put me out there so we were building our software uh, lead quizzes, and we were having a hard time, like super hard time, hiring and you know hiring in the states, and we couldn't, sure. we couldn't we couldn't find engineers, and I was like, man, this is like, how can we get the best engineers possible while trying to run um, our startup? And lucky right. enough for me, I have built a relationship with a designer that also worked uh, for our agency. His name is Sabadin, and um, he always kept telling me about like, hey, you, sh uh, you should come to Serbia, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> this Serbia is not on the top of your list, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a passport. Uh, right. You should come to Serbia. Uh, and I, in my head, I'm good with geography, but in my head, I thought Serbia was Siberia because it, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Over there. That, that's it's really awesome. not on the list. Yeah, yeah, and so I was like, oh, okay. 
But just like I was having a conversation with him one day and just something just like ticked in my head. And I was like, you know what? Let me check out like Serbia and see what uh, what like what it's even like. And let me just get out and like just travel. And so I called him up and I was like, hey, I'm coming. To, I'm coming to Serbia. And like two hours later, I booked my uh, plane ticket. I didn't even have a passport yet. And put in my passport, flew to, uh, flew to Serbia about four weeks later, and it was a, a game-changing experience for me to see the amount of opportunity that was out there, meeting all the, the amount of uh, great people um, that were out there, and just it changed my whole entire perspective on not just like myself, and but also just the amount of talented uh people that are out there and the amount of entrepreneurship uh, opportunities that are available. And so over the last, what has it been, six years now, I have brought in my experience and started uh, not just traveling to Serbia, for, but other parts of the world, just trying to meet new entrepreneurs, trying to figure out opportunities that are out there. And fast forward to you know, two years ago, I spent a lot of time in Serbia, and like I felt that I had reached where I wanted to uh, go as an entrepreneur in Serbia. And my next journey was, hey, I want to build something um, where I'm from and build it in Nigeria and Africa. And I want to do it uh, because I've learned a lot, and and now I have an easier on ramp into. Um, Africa and Africa is completely different from Serbia, and so I'm learning a lot of these, you know, nuances of doing business in Africa and doing it in Nigeria. And so, you know, and part of this podcast said, is sharing that. Yeah, and I sense that you're like an entrepreneur at heart, and so you probably feel like a kid in a candy shop when you go to a place like Serbia six years ago, or <laughs> yeah. to Africa today, and there's scarcity everywhere, and everything needs to be done. And there's so many opportunities and you just you can't wait to get started. Yeah. So yeah, my journey now is, you know, I'm working. Our team is composed of people from Ghana, Nigeria and Kenya. And, you know, I'm learning just how to do business and connecting with entrepreneurs and learning from other entrepreneurs within um, Africa. And so that's just a quick uh, like synopsis of, just, you know, of, my, of the last nine years. <laughs> So I didn't know I didn't know some of those things about you. I, when I saw your name, I knew you were from Eastern Nigeria. So I know that you're either from the southeast or from Plateau State, but I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Um, because your name is quite unusual, I was guessing Plateau State. Did I guess wrong? You guess wrong. I'm I'm actually from Delta region. Okay, so you're from. So these were the Kinsada Liwa days, and yeah, uh, there's there. You and I have a connection that another connection we might not. We might not have known about, but I'll I'll tell the story when it when we reach that part chrono, chronologically. Um, one of the things we were saying as we were talking about this episode is that people uh, need a reason to get out and a safe way to get out into the world um, because <clears throat> we were mentioning that the the central issue in the developing world is trust and feeling like you are confident enough or safe enough or that you can trust people and you can get out there. So in your case, for example, you had a Serbian friend who you, you could talk to when you got off the plane, right? There was, yeah. there was a, a smiling face to receive you, so you weren't going completely blind. In, in my case, 
I was at my senior year in college and I still didn't know what I was going to do. And my mom said, well, go down and take one of those interest surveys. And so I did. And they, one of the things that they said I might be interested in was being a diplomat. I knew nothing about being a diplomat. And I said, well, how do I sign up? And they started me down the process and eventually I ended up joining the U.S. Foreign Service. And I thought, because I spoke Spanish, that I would go to Latin America. And those were the postings that I was bidding on and was thinking about. And then my colleagues all took those postings. And the only place left was this country called Zambia. I was like not even sure how to pronounce it. I mean, I had thought about other countries in Africa. I'd followed them in the news. I was pretty interested in the news when I was growing up. But um, I had to do, actually, in the Foreign Service, you're supposed to be cool enough that you're supposed to know where all the capital cities are. So they don't really talk about the country. They say, yeah, there's a posting in Lusaka. I was like, Lusaka? Sounds like a place in Japan. But they're saying it's in Africa. <laughs> I literally had to go home and look it up, okay? I'll admit to that. And I had likewise, I did not have a passport. My first passport was my diplomatic one. Um, I had never been overseas. I had been to Mexico. I don't think I'd been to Canada. And so now I'm a U.S. diplomat as supposed to represent the country. And my wife and I had just gotten married. Um, I was in the Foreign Service already in training two, two months before we left. And we had this assignment to Zambia, which I was trying to learn about. And they put us on the plane and flew us to Paris. We had a day there meeting with a, uh, an office there. And then we got on the plane and flew to Africa. <laughs> we got off the plane in Kenya, changed planes, and flew to Zambia. Got off the plane, and there we were. Um, and people came to meet us from the embassy, and, and you're well taken care of. And so... For the next five years, over two different postings in Africa, I got a very good training about a lot, about the current state of play in Africa, about the history, about what was going on. And when I was living, my second posting was in Cotonou, in the Republic of Benin. And this was 1996 to 1998. How does that fit up with the years that you were there? Um, well, that's when I think um, there is... There's the conflict happening with that was, you know, um, started with Kinsawa Wiwa at that right. time. And um, there's a lot of unrest, especially with like shell and uh, environmental movements that were happening at that time as well. And was that about the time when, was that one of the reasons that your family became refugees? Was that the, the driver? Mm -hmm. Right. So my sister came out, the two years that I was there, I served as the, as the public affairs officer for the embassy in Cotonou. My sister came out to stay with me, and she was looking for work. She was on her gap year from university. And she went to work for the UNHCR resettling Nigerian refugees. Mm -hmm. Wow. Maybe she worked with your family. I don't know. <laughs> I, I might have to show we're, you we're, this picture of this lady <laughs> that I yeah? had while I was in, living okay. in this refugee camp. <laughs> yeah, I know that camp. So that, let me tell you a little more about the camp, because you might have been yeah. young. Um, we had some good friends from Togo who were in that camp as well. Do you remember that the Togolese shared that camp with you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, they had us over for dinner. And so we went through the camp and we saw the place where the little, you know, it was divided by curtains. If, it's a, if we're in the same place, a big steel building. And inside there were curtains hanging on the walls to make divisor, dividers. And they had a, the little room in the front by the gate. They had uh, uh, 
requisitioned that room to invite us to dinner. So we were the guests of honor. I forget what the occasion was, some kind of dinner that they did for us. Um, so yeah, we knew, we were, are, are still close friends with um, a couple of refugees that came through that camp. So anyway, there we go. We had another connection. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it's a small world. Um, it really is. <laughs> and one of the things that will probably become evident in this uh, podcast, I have a hard time hiding it, is that uh, I have a lot of faith in God. And a lot of the things that uh, have happened in my life, I think, have happened because he has pointed me to them. And if you listen, I think you can be directed. And a lot of what we're doing in the developing world is we're doing good and doing well at the same time. And so if you want to get directed to do good, it's easier if you're listening to God. Now, if I'm, I'm, I'm not going to beat that horse, but I just <laughs> I think that's we, we've just seen an example of how that works. So yeah. um, eventually, while I was in Benin, I took the GMAT exam. <laughs> it's a funny story. I administered <laughs> the GMAT to myself. When you're the public affairs officer in a very small embassy, like Cotonou, Benin would be, um, you're, one of your jobs is to administer the scholastic exams, which we don't really use anymore that much post-COVID. But the SAT exam and the GMAT and the law exam and all those others would come to me as the officer in charge. And then when my GMAT came and by DHL, I handed it to my employee who ran our library. And I said, you'll administer this test to me on Saturday and then you'll package it back up according to the instructions and give it to me and I'll send it back to the people. <laughs> I took the GMAT because I wanted to get into graduate school to get a master's degree in business, which I did. Went to Thunderbird Graduate School in, in Arizona. That's how I got to Arizona. And um, when I left the Foreign Service, one of my employees, who was a Beninese fellow, gave me a statue of a young man sitting like this. And uh, it's a neatly carved wood statue. I said, that's nice, thank you. What's the meaning of this? And he said, that is a young man who is reflecting on his future. When you have a good job, you never leave it. <laughs> in Benin, if you have a good job, you don't leave it. But um, I left my good job, and I'm glad I did. Uh, lots of people wondered why I was resigning after. In fact, I went to graduate school, and the vice president of admissions was interviewing me, and she said, so what kind of job do you want when you get out of school? And I said, ma'am, I have a job. If I have to get a job when I get out of your school, you failed. Because <laughs> I definitely didn't want it to go into business. I was kind of like you were describing. I'm like this candy, in this candy shop, I'm looking around Africa, I'm seeing all these opportunities. I have this unprecedented level of exposure to things that, intelligence at all levels. And I'm thinking, there is so much to be done here. And I just need to get out and get doing it. And so when I graduated from uh, Thunderbird, I did have to get a job. I didn't have a job offer. I went to work at a temporary agency. My wife thought I was a genius. Yeah, honey, we had a three-story house in Cocotier and Cotonou. We had uh, house staff, um, everything that you could, you could imagine. And now we're living in a little apartment in Glendale, Arizona, and you've spent $40,000 on a graduate degree, and you're going to go to this $10 an hour temporary job. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that was on Monday. By Thursday, Kiyosera Solar called me. They weren't Kiyosera at that time, but they were coming through a transition and hired me to be their international sales director. And so I was grateful. That was right there in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so I worked for them for several years. 
And then I realized that they were not serious about developing solar in Africa, and I was. And so I resigned again from a good job and started African Energy. And I had to have a little bridge job in between there to, to pay for you know, the mortgage while I was starting the African Energy. But after a couple of years, it started up strong enough that we could live off of it. And um, I said to my wife, you know, if we can just pay the mortgage and I get to, be, get to do this and spend more time with family, it's going to be worth it to me. And after two or three years, it was doing way more than paying the mortgage. And we've been super blessed. Um, it has given me an opportunity to interact all over the African continent with all kinds of people and deal with uh, some really great entrepreneurs. <laughs> African Energy is a company that distributes solar equipment to entrepreneurs and installers in Africa. And so that was my first company and the one that uh, has done the best. And in fact, I'm sitting today in Kigali in the home of our CEO, who is him and a partner are buying the company out from me slowly and uh, handing over to them. And he's doing a better job than I could ever do. And it's really rewarding to see this thing grow on beyond me. And uh, now I'm moving on to other fun things. I have time to do things like this podcast with you. Like a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like the story, just the just the story arc and every everything that you just from starting the foreign services to going to business school to realizing, hey, after graduating business school, you didn't you couldn't find the opportunity that you wanted, and then um, starting your own, uh, going to go work for a solar company, and now you are, you know, using your you know using your business to help entrepreneurs uh, within Africa. This is it's a crazy story, and I know there's more to it. With the <laughs> yeah. We're going to find lots of lots of great connections and stories, and and the fun thing about our businesses, I'm sure it happens to you, is every week uh, there's some something that happens. That I was like, you know, we should I should share this because there's some lessons that that I've learned, or maybe the hard way, and maybe we can save it for save somebody from learning it the hard way, and uh, and then a lot of times, uh, as a founder, you've probably felt this. You just feel kind of alone a lot, mm-hmm. and you're never as cool as the guys you see on social media who are doing it. And you're like, I wish I was there. The once in a blue moon, once in a long while, you recognize uh, I am there. That is what I'm doing. And it mostly doesn't feel as cool as it is on social media, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Keep doing it. Well, you know, that's a yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel as cool, but then definitely um, the loneliness is a big thing, especially. When you're not only building, being an entrepreneur is already a pretty lonely endeavor in itself, but right. uh, you take that to another uh, dimension where it's, you know, you're working in developing markets and there's not a lot of entrepreneurs working in uh, developing markets yet or the connection, trying to connect with entrepreneurs working in developing markets is extremely difficult. And it's a whole mm-hmm. different level of loneliness along with very unique challenges that, um, as an entrepreneur, you face right, like just right. you know, basic cash flow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like basic things like, oh, um, the uh, the internet went out for you know six hours, and so we couldn't de- we couldn't deploy 
right. <laughs> uh, we couldn't deploy our schedule uh, deployment. And, you know, those are things that you have to build and navigate around. And those are things that, you know, from my side, from a software development perspective, um, working with software engineers in Africa, you know, I love to, like, I want this, uh, this podcast to be about and being able to share those experiences. And I think it's great that you are young and smart, way smarter than me, and that you're dealing um, in ethereal products. I shouldn't say ethereal, <laughs> digital products, virtual products. You know, and you, and you made the point the other day that our, our kids and grandkids are not going to know the difference between an actual product and a virtual product. But, but you're doing virtual products, and all of my experience is, being, is with actual hard things. So we ship stuff around the world and get it cleared through ports and delivered to the right village to get deployed in, in Africa. And you've got to send it down these tubes and lines and wires and, and fibers and get it deployed in the hands of people. So uh, both sides, whether you're doing uh, physical things or digital products, hopefully we can cover both sides of that. Yeah, and I think the central theme is probably going to be at the end, you know, uh, people, you know. Um, yeah. Managing and working with people, no matter if you are you know, dealing with physical products or you are building or deploying a virtual team in Africa. Um, it comes down to people, relationships, and understanding the cultural nuances that go along with that. I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> Patrick, our CEO, and I were just talking this afternoon as we're driving around about how everything could have fallen apart at any moment. And really, the central thing here is relationships, like you said. Um, and that's the rewarding part of it, is um, I'm sure the people you've been able to work with, and especially if you're able to help somebody and do some good while you're doing well and move people forward and uh, provide opportunity. Uh, that's what keeps you coming back. It's not the long plane rides, and sometimes it's not the cuisine or even the lodgings, because I don't know about you, but we tend to inhabit $30 hotels, which aren't too nice sometimes. <laughs> uh, for me, it just comes down to, you know, I, I want to have uh, impact in the work that I'm doing and in a positive way. Um, yeah. And uh, for me, I feel the next frontier, uh, the last remaining frontier is Africa uh, in terms of like yeah. massive entrepreneurial opportunity and exactly and i want to have impact in the work that i'm doing not just build just to build and have and have purpose behind all the work that i'm doing as well and so this is also exactly. an opportunity for me to learn uh about my culture and about myself as well uh through entrepreneurship uh, because this is it's my comfort zone <laughs> even though it's very uncomfortable yeah. Well, there's, there's some things that we... I, I've spent lots of time in Nigeria. It's my favorite market, one of my favorite countries. I have tons of, uh, made tons of friends and good relationships there. And there's some things that Nigerians say about themselves that are absolutely true. Um, you know there's lots of jokes about Igbos doing business, and they're very, very good at it. So if that's your, your heritage, there's, there's, there's a reason why you're good at it. And the second thing about your, your wanderlust, your, your desire to go things, Nigerians will tell you, if you go to any place on this earth and there is not a Nigerian, you must leave that place. <laughs> it's not a good place because Nigerians are everywhere. And, uh, you know, my, my ancestors were Vikings and maybe that's what's in my blood, I don't know. In, in, in my book, 
uh, we said we talk a, a, a bit about that because it, it kind of follows the same path. Uh, the fellow reflects on his Viking uh, upbringing and wonders if that's why he likes to get out and around. I think there's some some part of us that, like you're 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 talking about reconnecting in Nigeria, and there's some part of us that is genetically just wanting to get out and about in the world. Well, this about this about wraps up um, this um, episode. Uh, we hope if you enjoy just this first episode that you subscribe and leave us a comment. We will be dropping episodes every uh, week unless uh, Lincoln's internet goes out or my internet goes out in the process, <laughs> which is a real possibility. <laughs> and we're going to do our best to deliver value. Yeah. We hope that, I hope it's useful to you.